Coming up, a behind-the-scenes look at what goes on in the broadcast control room during an NFL Sunday and the biggest sporting event of the year. Have you heard of the Super Bowl? Yeah, I have. CBS Sports Technical Director Lauren Correa Sikoriak joins me to share it all. But first, this message. Hey everybody, Jay Reels here to share a friendly reminder. If this is your first time getting an opportunity to listen to what it is that I have to say about what's going on in the world of sports, welcome aboard. Or if you've been a long-time listener, not only do I welcome you back, but I want to advise you to all, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, the J-Reels Podcast, on wherever you listen to them. Of course, this pod is on all platforms, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, even Amazon Music. I not only host this endeavor, but I independently produce, edit, and write what you read and listen to, so your participation is vital to increase the visibility of this platform to those who aren't familiar with it. In turn, to generate interest to those who aren't aware or know of this podcast, especially the former or current athlete, broadcaster, blogger, sports writer, studio host, etc., as I want them to share their experience on the field, the court, press box, broadcast booth, or in the studio with me, so then I can flip that to you guys and gals to deliver top-notch, fast-paced, entertaining, informative, and credible sports talk unlike any other for everyone to listen to and enjoy and to keep coming back for more on a week-in, week-out basis. You could also go to the website for more information about me, the pod, archive shows at www.jreels.com. I appreciate you all. I thank you very much for listening, trusting, and believing in me. So with that said, the J Reels podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J-Rules Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's doing well. It's a midweek podcast as we continue the anniversary celebration here with a special guest that I'm sure any sports fan, in particular the football fan, will be very intrigued by and enjoy as I'll introduce her shortly. As this is the J-Rules Podcast with your host, J-Rules. For my first-timers, welcome aboard, and for those who've been banging with me for now 182 episodes, I welcome you guys back. It's a Thursday, March the 4th, in the year of our Lord, 2021. Today, we go behind the curtain, not only for what an NFL Sunday looks like in the control center, but the preparation and anxiety of executing the biggest stage sports has to offer and broadcasting the Super Bowl. Joining me to discuss all that from CBS Sports is Lauren Correa Sikoriak, a TD or technical director in the TV industry as she delves into paving her way from the early days of working with Mike Francesa here in New York on his Sunday night sports show and mic'd up, the opportunity of working in the NFL with the Jets and Giants, to CBS where she's not only doing the NFL but also March Madness, which is apropos considering we're just a couple of weeks away from the tournament commencing. This is a fun exchange as you'll get to hear the ins and outs of when we're at home watching a sporting event, knowing what it takes behind the scenes to produce and most of all execute it, and oh, I've known Lauren for almost 20 years, so it certainly helps that we have a very good banter back and forth throughout the course of this conversation. So sit back, relax, or even if you're driving on a treadmill or cooking, 
I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. So without further ado, my conversation with CBS Sports' Lauren Correa Sikoriak, and I'll see you at the back end of this discussion. All right, on the line, I have not only an old friend of mine, but by the way, she happens to work at CBS as a technical director on NFL Sundays, among many other hats that she has there at CBS. So joining me is Lauren Correa Sikoriak here on the J Rules Podcast. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me, Jay. Oh, so great to talk to you. Yes, absolutely. Obviously, it's been a long time, and it's great to catch up with you, especially with what you do right now. And you're at CBS, and you do a lot of the sports. Of course, you just came off the Super Bowl, but I want to go backwards to start from the beginning, <laughs> your journey to get to where you are now. What was that like? Because just to give the listeners a little bit of an idea, about 18, I think 2002, 19 years now, because we're in 2021, <laughs> we used to work together at uh, Morgan Stanley as audiovisual technicians. And then, of course, you moved on, and then obviously I did too. And obviously you got into TV, so I'm sure that that was your jump off as to getting your career started behind the scenes. So please, if you could share with me and of course the people who are listening, your journey in the field of TV and of course with CBS. Oh my God, what a journey it's been. Well, I always knew in college I wanted to get into television. It was just really hard to break into it. And I feel um, when I was working at Morgan Stanley and all these audiovisual places, it was giving me some sort of experience, but you, I couldn't really get my foot in the door. And um, it took me years um, to actually get into a network. And it was all about timing. It was just kind of like being in the right place at the right time. I mean, I got hired by Fox News just because I ran into a friend in the street and they needed someone to do graphics, which I knew how to do graphics. So once I got into Fox News, Another friend of mine had mentioned, um, hey, go see this director at NBC News. And they're looking for some people. And I got in to get a tour with the head director there. And she just happened to be showing me around the studio, the control rooms. I run into the hiring manager. He says, oh, do you have a resume? Sure. I, of course I have a resume. Why would I not bring a resume to NBC when I'm getting a tour? Right. And uh, he he said, well, I need I need a camera operator. And I said, well, I'm the camera operator at Fox News. I do robotic cameras and I do graphics. And he says, good, because um, my guy is leaving here on the weekends. So I need to fill this spot. It's Saturday, Sunday's camera. And after the Sunday news, we need someone to do the Mike Francesa show. So mm. that was really like my break into television. And then once I was there, they just kind of gave me five days a week. But side note, television and what I do, it's not really a full-time job. So I've pretty much been a daily hire for like 20 years, 18 oh, years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, let me go back because I know you mentioned trying to get your foot in the door and pretty much in any industry, you're waiting for that big break and hope to get at least some exposure to grow, whether it's at a network or at a company, whatever it may be. What do you think were some of the stumbling blocks along the line? Do you think maybe it was more of a political thing? Do you think maybe because you are a woman that maybe they were overlooking you when you were trying to first get started in this business? What do you think were some of the obstacles that you had to face at that time? Um, I feel like it might have been lack of experience 
in the field. Mm. But I really don't think it was like a woman thing. I, I really feel um, it was all who you knew. So anybody who was working in these networks, it was like, oh, my cousin works there. My brother works there. Oh. It was always somebody who you knew. Mm-hmm. And that's how most people, in my experience at NBC, got hired. Um, because once I got in, I got three of my friends in. Oh, this guy's pretty good. He can do the job. Wow. And it was more of once you have a little experience and got your foot in the door, they trained you to do anything. I started out as a camera operator slash like deco Chiron operator at NBC. Mm. But then they trained me. I was mixing shows. I was I was an audio operator. I won an Emmy for it. And I was like, this is amazing. Wow, I didn't um, know that. Yeah. Oh, and then they trained me to be a technical director. And I was doing all like the local news cut-ins during the Today Show. So they did train me um, once, they, once they saw like I had the potential to do it. It was never like, oh, you're a woman. You can't do it. No, they would there it was just like oh she can do this This is great let's give her more (laughs) wow now where do you have your emmy if i may ask uh it's it's in my living room on my mantle oh nice oh that's good no listen that's uh, an achievement i'm sure you never expected going yeah way back and then to think that you actually have this and wow that's a that's remarkable just uh i didn't even know that that's uh News for me to, uh, for my ears. So good for you oh, on that. Oh, well, that's good. Yes, I'm absolutely. I'm full of surprises. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. So then now you talk about NBC. So now you get to work with Mike Francesa. Now, for, for people who don't know, Mike Francesa is an institution here in New York when it comes to New York sports. He had Mike and the Mad Dog on WFAN. And in the mid-2000s, I think, I want to say 2002, 2003, 2004, somewhere around there, he had a late-night Sunday show where obviously you worked on. So now yep. being at NBC and then getting, I guess, promoted to Francesca's show, which was called Mic'd Up at the time, what was that like? How did that transition go? Was it a thing where they were looking for camera ops to have you work on Francesca's show, or was it something else? What was the whole process for you to get that uh, gig uh, Sunday nights there late uh, in the evening? Well, it was basically I was already doing the local news, so they just took that crew Hmm. and used the same studio and brought him in. And we just kind of stayed later to work on the show, but then we became his crew. So anytime. Yeah. And, and he was, he was wonderful. He was great. And it was really an exciting opportunity for all of us because it gave us something else other than news to work on. Like sports is more uplifting. It's, it's, you know, it's exciting. Yeah. Now are you a sports fan? (laughs) <laughs> funny that you asked because, um, <laughs> maybe back then you weren't but then all of a sudden I guess it probably uh, it grew on never you. knew a thing about sports Wow! and here's the funny here's a really funny story if I'm uh-huh. going to kind of give you a little background Yes, please. Um, remember when um, oh, what was it uh, Sandy hit yeah. and I was on the air pretty much 24-7 for two weeks living in Manhattan Mm. putting news on because that's all we did right. with with that hurricane. And a lot of people in Jersey lost their homes. And one of the guys I was working with, another technical director, said to me, hey, listen, there's a giant game coming on, on Sunday night. Um, there's a lot of people who can't make it there to do their shift. Mm-hmm. And they need people. Can you come and like, work the big screens with me in the stadium? 
And I told him, I don't know anything about sports. He's like, you don't really need to know anything about sports, but um, you're technical. You just have to know how to work the equipment. No problem. And that was my um, breaking into sports is I took a chance after working like two full weeks, not sleeping. Wow. Did it, uh, did my like three o'clock in the morning shift, finished, drove over to the stadium, did a giant game, had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> but I figured it out, got back in the car, drove back to NBC at midnight and slept for an hour and wow. then did my three o'clock in the morning shoot again and wow. um, for, for news. And that was like my break breaking point into actual sports. So once I filled in the Giants, they really liked that I was like positive and came in and did the job that they hired me a bunch of times, like as the fill in. Mm. And then I got asked by the Jets and did three seasons, three or four seasons with the Jets, just doing the big screens, the pylons outside and just putting like footage in there and switching. And it was fun. Wow. It was a lot of fun. So that was like my break into sports. And that's funny because considering that you started with Francesa, and mind you, that's just a sports show. It's not actually working for a team or working for the league. Right. But even then, working with Francesa, and again, you're standing there and you're working the cameras, and I never forget, now I've come to think of it, I remember many years ago, I think maybe you sent me a photo or maybe emailed me a photo where Alex Rodriguez was in the studio. Yes. And I was like, oh yes. my God. You know, you had a picture, of course, with A-Rod. And <laughs> I would think that even going as far back as then, that maybe sports would pique your interest a little bit because now you have this connection, not only with Francesa, but then you have, whether it's beat writers, athletes coming on the program, and then it just kind of grows on you to the point where it's like, hey, you know what, maybe I'll start following the Yankees. Or, hey, maybe I'll start. So that didn't really happen until nine years or maybe eight or nine years after that when you started working for the Giants. And not to say you became a big Giant fan or a Jet fan, but it's interesting how sports didn't really impact you early on considering you work with Francesa. It wasn't until later that it actually made its impact. Exactly. Now, um, once I was in the stadium, I had a um, assistant director next to me saying, okay, it's third down. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and they're like, put it in the screen. Okay, third down. <laughs> I mean, but I couldn't even follow what was going on. I'm just the technical person right. doing what they're telling me to do. And then like after a season with the Giants and the Jets, <laughs> I figured out how um, how the game was played. And then I was like, third down, boom, right in the screens. Couldn't yeah. wait to put it out on the screens in the, right. in the stadium. But it was a, a huge learning curve for me. Uh -huh. oh, but it was exciting. And then and then I just loved it. Now I absolutely love doing sports. Um, I'm so glad I left news. It's mm. probably one of the best decisions I've ever made because obviously we know news is very depressing. Yes. Sports is very uplifting. You know, you, right. you, you have these great stories these great athletes. No, oh, of course. And and that's the thing, like you said, because especially in this climate, not that we're going to go down that road, but with the way news is and everything that's been happening with the presidential election and all that that's pretty much encompassed the last four years. And then now here we are out of that and into another aspect of the country when it comes to coronavirus and vaccinations. Yes, it's much better to talk about Patrick Mahomes or talk about the March Madness NCAA tournament than to talk about the other stuff. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So now that uh, you were with Francesca for how long? Um, well, it was just um, as long as his show ran. Um, I feel 
I can't remember the dates, but I mean, I was with him. I did a show for a couple of years. Yeah, because I know that he was on there, I would say maybe off the top of my head for about three, four years. And then I know he transitioned, I believe. And then Bruce Beck was doing it. Yes. Absolutely. So, yeah, it was up until I was there, you know, working with Bruce Beck as well. Okay. Right. And he's still doing it to this day. Uh, yeah, so it's amazing <laughs> how that show is still, you know, t- almost 20 years later, it's still uh, on the air. All right, so then now you were there at NBC, obviously now doing sports, but then you had the situation there with the Giants. Now, when you were able to move from doing the football and then to CBS, how did that come about? Was that a smooth transition? Was that one that you kind of had to go through the same thing, even though you made your name over the last decade, but now was it someone that you knew that got it, got you into CBS? And, or again? And, and here it is again, my friend. Oh, here it is. All right. I'm working in the stadium, working in, with the Jets, probably my third or fourth year with the Jets. Uh-huh. And the production manager, uh, his first year there. And, you know, he just came up to me, said, can you explain to me what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sure. And explain what was going on and how we do things and how the day runs. And then he, uh, he left after the season, I guess he got hired by CBS and a year later tracked me down and said, Hey, I'm, I'm over here now. Wow. I loved working with you. You were a really hard worker. You, you know, your stuff. He's like, come, I'd like you on my team. Wow. So, <laughs> so it was a yeah, that, it's yeah. all one of those things like, you know, if you're a hard worker and you, you prove yourself, people want to work with you. Wow. And then what year was that when you were able oh, to jump God, to CBS? A, I have no idea. It's probably, I mean, I've been there at least eight years now. Wow. So once I was in the door at CBS, I was doing weekends. So I was, I was hired as a technical director. Mm-hmm. So on Sundays, CBS has, you know, multiple control rooms. Mm-hmm. And what they do is... They may have eight games on a Sunday. Right. So you have one control room for each game. And like, you know, if New York's playing Miami, well, you're going to see that game in New York. And that's one control room working that. Right. If there's, um, you know, L.A. Rams and another team, they're going to put that only in that market. Yeah. So, so um, he needed people. He needed a bunch of technical directors and technical people. And so I went over there, did that Sundays, still uh-huh. kept my NBC gig. And then I was just getting really beat up mm. um, with news. And I spent 10 years on the 3 a.m. shift. Oh, so geez. I'd have to get up at 2 in the morning, get to work at 3, 3.30 in the morning. And I'd be done at noon. And it's just exhausting. So I, I had to make a conscious decision that I couldn't do that with my life anymore. And I went back to CBS and I said, hey, listen, I love sports. I've been in it for a bunch of years now, you know, working for you guys. Can you give me five days a week? Mm -hmm. And if not, I'm going to call my old uh, VP I know from news who's at NBC Sports and ask her Mm -hmm. because I know she has positions. And I did actually go tour that facility in Stanford and it's gorgeous. Um, It's it's so awesome. So like CBS came through and they... They gave me like, you know, since we're only on the air Saturdays and Sundays, I kept my air days, putting whatever games we were doing, college football, college basketball, NFL, sitting there, putting it out to the country. And then they put me in this, um, 
digitize edit area and I started learning how to become an assistant editor. And that's how I got the other three days a week. Oh, so nice. they, they kind of really came through for me. And they needed somebody there anyway, so I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. You know, filling a position they needed to fill. And they were really um, wonderful about training me on that. And now here I am. I'm working in that area five days a week. And they've made me the supervisor of the digitized edits. So that's that's a lot of fun because that's all the pre-production. Mm-hmm. So it's it's everything you see on the air <laughs> that right. we've been working on all week. Yeah, like all the NFL Today stuff, if they're doing a piece on, let's say, yeah, Patrick Mahomes or on a coach yeah. or whatever, right, you're doing that behind the scenes. I'm the, the one scenes. that receives all that footage, all that raw footage, the interviews. Um, we, we bring it in the system. We digitize it. We organize it um, because, it, like, we'll have multiple games, multiple features, yeah. multiple elements. You know, we bring in the graphics. Uh, we, we do a lot of different things. <laughs> oh, I, I can only imagine. And to think, when you went to CBS, I didn't realize you were still at NBC. So, of course, you were doing both. Was yes. there any disruption considering you were working for both networks? Did NBC knew that you were working for CBS and vice versa? Or is that standard oh, in no, the industry? they knew. Oh, okay. oh, no, they absolutely knew. It, w- it wasn't really um, an issue because, like I said, I was a daily hire. So right. yes. I had the ability to work anywhere I want. It's it's who booked me. Right. So if, if you didn't really book me a month ahead of time, I could have taken a job at you know MSNBC if they booked me. Right. And that's how all my friends are in the industry. It's um, They bounce around from different place to different place mm-hmm. multiple times a week. Right. No, understood. I just, um, but I'm like the creature of habit. I like my one home, <laughs> like to, you know, <laughs> no, understood. stay in one place. Yes. No, absolutely. Now going back to CBS. So now you start there as a technical director. Did they just throw you right into the Sunday games? I guess obviously the timing was right. Cause we know the NFL season is pretty much September through early February. If you guys have the Super Bowl that year, um, did they just throw you right into the NFL mix or did they gradually put you there? considering the time you started. And I don't know when you started at CBS in order for you to work on Sundays. Do you recall that? Well, they did um, probably like a month before NFL. It was, hey, come on in. We have a bunch of new TDs that we're bringing in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had your senior TDs there that have been doing the games for years. But they brought the new people in, sat us down, and had to go through this is how we do a game. This is what we do right. because like you can't just jump in, sit down and, and know what's happening. It's very different from news. Right. So yeah, they, they, there's a training. Like the, we went through the games. We, we did mock-up games and simulations mm-hmm. and you know, that they, they took it from there. And once you were comfortable, I mean, may have had like two weeks, like two or three days to just sit and train. And then that, that was it. Like they weren't going to put me, my first day at CBS doing an NFL Sunday right. doing an A game. They're going to put me on the, the D or E game, which is not as big as a mar- of a market yeah. um, because I'm still new and I was still green to, to their, you know, systems. No, of course. <laughs> but then, you know, then I eventually started doing all the A games Thursday night football mm-hmm. and, it was it was great. Then it was just like the pressure was on. And then I remember that that one year I was doing everything. And then I got to put Super Bowl 50 
on the air. Wow. Like I was the one that was sitting there and I remember the assistant director saying, okay, we're two minutes to air. And I literally couldn't breathe. Oh, wow. I could not breathe. And I just started to shake because I knew, you know, I'm taking the feed in from the truck to the broadcast center Mm -hmm. and then I'm taking it and putting it out to, to the country. So I'm like, I don't know if I can hit the button. It was just <laughs> all I had to do was hit one button, hit right. take. I couldn't do it. I was like, <gasps> breathe. <Yes. laughs> because you know the entire world is watching That's you. That's right. If you make one mistake uh, during that broadcast, everybody's gonna know it was you. That's right. <laughs> so talk about pressure. Yes. Nice. Um so so I managed to hit take. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> and then I was like, I think I could breathe. Yeah. And then like literally um, after a minute and a half of being on the air, I was like, okay, we're, we're in this, we're, we're going, we're going, we're good. Right. Um, and you just forget your anxiety and fears. But it's just like that. I always get the butterflies. Even now, even when I'm doing NFL game mm. now, wow. 30 seconds to air, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because you still know a lot of people are watching. Of course, it's not the Super Bowl, Everybody's but everybody watches. Yeah, everybody watches the NFL. So and might. everybody is so brutal with you know. Oh look, it they messed up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, right. No you, forgiveness. No, definitely especially not. in television. There's no forgiveness, and there's no like, oh, let me go back. Yeah. And by all means, I'm not making. I'm not a. This is not brain surgery. You no, know, of course, right? It's not, but it's just they don't. You get yelled at if if you make a mistake. Yeah, well, it's funny. <laughs> they want to know what happened. Right. No, absolutely. And the thing is, I, I do want to talk about that because you're a technical director working the Sunday games, and of course, you have your director, which I'm sure will be the guy that says, "All right, it's the flyover, so we have to have the this camera point to the sky," or "All right, now we need to have the whatever camera that's on the sideline," or "Now we got to go to the booth," or whatever. So now, your position there as technical director, what is it that you exactly do? Okay, so basically, there's multiple technical directors and multiple directors, assistant directors. Okay. So um, in the truck, you have your your director who's directing the game with the technical director in the truck who's switching all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. What I do in New York is I take that feed from the truck. Okay. And it runs through... Um, our broadcast center and then i'm the one that takes it to the country Mm. but i'm in 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 the meantime i'm also putting in all the scores you know those two boxes that fly in and out i'm doing that right and i'm rolling commercials oh wow so when they're when the truck is like okay we're we're going to commercial we have we have a timeout we have a timeout we're scrambling to make sure we have the right commercial pod for whatever timeout we're doing and then we, I roll the commercial. So I'm really like controlling the money aspect of it. And that's a fascinating thing because th- before, I'm sure before the game, you probably have, like you said, a pod of commercials that are going to be rolled out oh, between yeah. first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. Does that ever get mixed up? Because I know when I'm watching a game and I'll see like the same Budweiser commercial like four times in the first half, I'm like, oh, geez, they're going to show this again? We already know that this is what it's going to (laughs) be. So, of course, all that is calculated. It's not a thing where it's like, all right, well, we just know that Budweiser is going to pay for this spot for five portions of the first half. We're just going to play this. Obviously, you have to have that all planned out prior to. Oh, absolutely. And that's sales. That's sales. They, They sell it and we just roll what they tell us to roll. 
Look at that. Interesting. Yep. All right. So then now this is the Sunday experience. Now as we get into the Super Bowl, and then of course you just mentioned about Super Bowl 50. You've done three of these. And of course just this last one, but this last one was a little bit different from the first one. Oh, yeah. It was. Yeah. It was so please explain what that was like down in Tampa. Oh, uh, th- Well, this time they sent me down. So I was in the production truck uh-huh. and um, basically like getting all the footage that was being shot that week. So all the Tampa Bay specialty that they were shooting of the players and um, Kansas City they were shooting, all the scenics, mm-hmm. um, features, interviews, whatever you can think of. If they shot it down there, it was coming to me. Right. And then I was um, bringing it in, sending it back to New York to edit because this year was very different with Corona right. and a pandemic. So they only sent bare bones down there. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a lot of long days, 15 hour days, sometimes mm-hmm. 17 hour wow. days. Yeah. You're sitting in a truck and it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, yeah. but um, right. And the first thing, not to interrupt, uh, the first thing I want to just even ask is all this footage now comes to you and then you have to send it up there. But it's almost as like trying to find a needle in the haystack because I would think that you're going through all these hours of footage and you have to try to find the right stuff, whether it's the scenic stuff, whether it's the interviews, because I'm sure whatever interviews that take place, let's say if it's a 20 minute interview, you have to condense that to what, four or five minutes, I guess, because it is a Super Bowl. It could be a little bit longer. So I can't even imagine. Your eyes must have been bleary. You must have been pretty much hanging by a thread by the time kickoff <laughs> took place. Well, yeah, everybody and everybody's working. Everybody's feeling that way. It's um, we we bring it in. I get it. I get it into the system. We organize it, and you know the production team. They're the one that really goes through and picks out the shots. I mean, we we do that as well because I mean sometimes they're so strapped that we have to find winning shots for a piece or find a good call or find this and then say, Hey, here's these shots we found for you guys um, for your piece. And then they kind of sit with the editor and assemble it all together Mm. to tell the story. Right. Now it's interesting. That makes sense. No, absolutely. (laughs) No, without question. One last thing with the Super Bowl. So you did three of these, you did 50, 53, which was in Atlanta New right. England and Los Angeles, the Rams, and then of course this one. Now you were right. present in Tampa for this. Obviously, you mentioned that you were back here in New York for fifty. What about fifty three? Were you in Atlanta? I was in New York. Are you in New York too? And okay, I was. And they tried to do something different. They tried to do more of um. We want to do more pre production in New York, so they needed more people in New York than to be out on the the, the scene. Okay. So since I was supervisor of my department, they felt like, okay, we're going to do a lot more here. We need you here. Mm. Um, they need one person over there and one person over here and make sure things were running smoothly. Okay. So then obviously it was a lot different than. Yeah. So each, each one has been a different experience. I think by far my favorite one is actually being there. Um, even though it's it's much more work mm-hmm. and it's longer hours. I mean, granted, not too thrilled about traveling on a plane during a pandemic, <laughs> right? Did you know? And and the 
the protocols we had to go through. Oh, I'm sure. Quarantine. Um, testing or, yeah. like every other day. We were in a bubble. So it really wasn't like a glamorous experience. Yeah. I would say as a normal Super Bowl would be. Right. I mean, it was really tough wearing a mask for 15 hours a day. Oh, yeah. Um, that was challenging. And, but being able to walk through the stadium, being able to walk through all these trucks and see how we're putting this on the air, it's an incredible experience. Oh, I and bet. then just, just being there for the live game, once we got all our stuff out on the air and everything that was edited aired, we were able to, okay, let's let's take a breather, mm. leave the production truck and go watch the game for five minutes or 10 minutes or right. see what's happening in the stadium. And just to be there like in the stadium, yeah. watching oh. the Super Bowl was incredible. Yeah. Not a lot of people could say that they actually now, did that. So was, to yeah. me, I felt like this is an experience of a lifetime. Wow. Um, and I'm glad I, I'm glad they asked me to be part of it. I'm very blessed. All right, so let me take you back to a year ago this time where it's late February. We know that March Madness, Selection Sunday, is about to take place a few weeks later. And then around March 12th, everything gets shut down. Sports, obviously the tournament. What was that like knowing that you've worked tournaments in the past, obviously with CBS, and then now you had this go down last year? If you could kind of walk us through what that experience was like, knowing that you were gear, you know, gearing yourself up to get ready for March Madness, and then all of a sudden the plug was pulled. We were all ready. I know me and my team were like, okay, we're going to get killed. It's going to be insane. It's Because it's usually when you're when you're doing a March Madness – that first week is brutal. Oh. So you're working 18-hour days, yeah, 15-hour days. You go back to a hotel, you take a nap, and you come back. And so we were mentally prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And then we get the phone call that, okay, we're, we're shutting down the building. We'll let everybody know. And then we get the phone call. Yeah, the tournament's canceled. Wow. And I think everybody was just kind of like devastated. Yeah because it's something that was so unheard of. Um, so there was definitely panic um, amongst my peers um, of, hey, we're all daily hires. What are we going to do? <laughs> how, <laughs> yeah. how are we going to survive? You know, the tournament is so much work that um, that's how, that's how you, you kind of save some money yeah. for the dead times when it's not as busy. So it was, it was, it was a scary time. I think a lot of us were definitely upset that the tournament was canceled because it's something that's never been done before. Right. Um, But at the same sense, we, you have to look at the good with the bad. Um, I guess it had to be canceled for everybody's safety. Sure. Because you have so many people traveling, you can't take the chance. And, you know, I tried to be positive about life and things. It gave me more time where I would not be home the entire month of March. I would be living in a hotel for two weeks and then possibly on the road for another week and a half. So I got that time with my children, which was valuable time. No, of course. And then to think right before that happened and with everything that ensued after that, because I would also think that you do work the Masters. Do you work any of the other major CBS 
tournaments? I don't really go on the road. Oh, is that right? Okay. Um, no, I. It's usually for like a big event. So uh-huh. like a Super Bowl, I went on the road because uh-huh. it's a big event. Right. But Masters, they have their own golf crew. Mm. Um, I usually go on the road for Final Four and Championship game. Right. Um, which is which is like, it's another great experience. You, you know, it's a lot of work, yeah, but sure. and you know, I get to sit and do the all the pre-production and then we're sitting there for one shining moment trying to pick shots out and get it all out there so it's um it's 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 a big job it's fun but it's it's a lot of pressure of course for all involved (laughs) and (laughs) and um yeah so like this year i don't know what's going to happen with march madness everything's still kind of up in the air we we know there's games, but we like CBS is I think figuring out who's doing what, who's going where. So yeah, you know, I, I I have no doubt it will be a success. Right, it's just gonna be it's gonna be a beast. Oh yeah, I guess if there's <laughs> one, know? I guess if there's one positive in that, it's because it's all gonna be taking place in Indianapolis. So it's not as if you have right. all these regions. All right, now we got to go out to California. Oh, now we got to go to Arizona. Right. Oh, now we go to the Midwest. Now we got to go to the South. Now we got to It's all over the map. And of course, like you mentioned, 18-hour days, you got that first opening weekend where you have 48 games in 4 days. So many. Oh, it's, so it's many. yeah, it's never ending it seems. And now the schedule is actually spread out a little bit. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I know you're not going to have that crazy Thursday through Sunday of 48 games in that time frame. I think they're breaking it down a little bit different this year. But knowing that... I, I heard they were, yeah. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah, because there's but no But I'm way. not sure the, the details of it, so... Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. You, know, you still have a few weeks uh, between now and then. But, uh, no, and that's going to be interesting, too, because I'm sure a lot of what CBS is going to do with not only just trying to get these venues and secure them to broadcast these games, but at the same time, right, your schedule is probably going to be so out of whack knowing that you were used to the breakneck pace, especially in that first weekend, where now it's going to kind of not say it's going to, you're going to play it by ear because you know it's going to be structured, but it's going to be a lot different this time around than you've experienced going back two years, three years, and so on. Absolutely. And I think that's one thing um, COVID taught everybody. You don't know what's going to happen. So... I think we've been pretty much playing it by year, just even NFL season with mm. games being canceled. You just kind of have to roll with it and, you know, we, we figure it out, right. we make it happen. And that's what you have to do. Yeah. All right. So now that you've been at CBS <laughs> and doing what you've been doing over the course of the last couple of decades, is there another level that you want to achieve? Do you want to become a director? Do you want to become something even more than that in TV or? Oh, wow. Yeah. Is this the end game? for your career as far as doing what you do now or is there another level you want to get to wow that's a really good question um i honestly haven't even thought about it i mean i've always i always feel i want to grow i i I always want to learn Mm -hmm. so no matter what i'm doing i'm trying to always keep learning and just from my own mental brain you know i just like i I don't like to stay stagnant in one spot because then i don't want to become lazy and we know i'm not lazy i'm always like going a mile a minute um but yeah no i'm not sure what the end game is but i know i will continue to learn and i will continue to pursue um to learn new things and you know get better at the things i'm not good at Mm -hmm. 
No, uh, but yeah, it's basically you know, like a, like I see it. Maybe I'll be at the right place at the right time again, and <laughs> another opportunity will pop up, and exactly. I'll say, "Oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe I'll give it a try." Right. Or maybe I like what I'm doing so much now. Um, I'll stick with it. But yeah, I would not be opposed to doing more, having more opportunity, and and learning. No, and you've always been that. Even going back to those days of Morgan Stanley, you were always out and about. You were always wanting to know what the, you could get your hands on, roll your sleeves up, et cetera. And look at that. It's obviously continued throughout this journey here in TV. Now, I have a few more for you before I let you go. I'm kind of curious to find out with you doing what you do and executing it flawlessly, are there a lot of the women in your industry that do, if not similar to what you do? Because obviously you're the one that's handling that position. Because I know you mentioned there's various directors doing various games, especially on a NFL Sunday. But uh, what is that like, just being in the profession that you're in, which I'm sure is male-dominated? Uh, are you able to connect with other women there? I know you're friendly with everybody, which is a beautiful thing about <laughs> you. But at the same time, does it become a thing where you may feel a little isolated? Or is it still like a, I don't want to say like a, a boys club or what have you, but uh, what is that experience like? And are there any other peers of yours that you could actually rub elbows with and kind of communicate about what the job is on a day-to-day basis? My experience with CBS is I have never experienced a boys club. Um, Maybe because I'm a very independent woman Mm -hmm. and I walk in and I know my stuff. Um, But everybody's just been wonderful to work with. Um, When I first started there and I was doing the Sunday games is primarily women TDs. Mm. You had one or two men. Okay. Is primarily women. Okay. And and um yeah, so that was that was really cool to see. And yeah. in production, I could say all the all the people in production, there's a good mix of men and women. Mm. And I work with a lot of girls that um do an amazing job so mm. like we all work well together whether whether it be men or women we're just ha- all hard workers so we all respect each other in that sense right. um so i really don't feel like there's been barriers in my experience uh-huh. in sports no and that's great that's but, i mean great. i i i'm speaking for myself oh, of course i don't know if other women have had that experience right no, and that's totally understandable because it's a thing where, and not that I've been part of any TV production or anything like that, but you would think because it's sports, and I hate to kind of have like that stigma, but in this day and age, you would think that it'd be a lot more integrated than it would be, I would think, maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago. But obviously, I don't know that because it's not as if I was privy or a part of any of that type of production. But I was just kind of curious to see whether or not, A, like when you were brought on even with the Jets, I understand this isn't TV, but... They just wanted you for your expertise. It wasn't a thing where it's like, hey, come on in. And the next thing you know, it, just, it goes off the rails or what have you. So I'm just kind of curious considering, you know, a lot of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that you don't really get to see, especially someone like myself who's been a sportsman for life, just to right. kind of get an idea that if there are more women that have positions like yours or even positions of power, to me, I find that fascinating. Well, you said, I think there's more... More, I don't know. It's 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 funny because I'm the in my 
department with the edits, I'm really the only woman who's technical. Mm. Everybody else I work with, they're all men. Wow. So they're all men editors. They're all in my department. It's all guys. Right. But um, in the production end that come in and, and work with the editors, you do have a bunch of women. Okay. So that's good. Um, yeah, because I so would I work, think. I work with them. But as far as technical, what I do, I'm really the only girl doing it. Uh-huh. But when I was upstairs doing technical directing, there was a lot of women. Right. And there was a lot of women assistant directors. So oh, that's good. I, I feel like they were more dominant in that area uh-huh. um, than <laughs> that, that I've ever seen before. Right. No, that's and good to know. I feel like when I walked into CBS, it's, it was different times to begin with. I, we're not back in like 1960, 1970 where, you know, it was primarily men. And right. You had to deal with all that. Like, th- thankfully I've never had to deal with that. No, that's awesome. Um, everybody was very welcoming. Right. All right, now my final few for you, and I think you, okay. you answered this before, but I'm going to ask anyway. What was your favorite event to work on to this day? Okay. I have to say my first Final Four was amazing because it was the first time I was actually out on the road experiencing such a grand event. But Super Bowl, this one was it was just incredible. Mm. Just being there for a halftime show, being being able to like walk through the stadium and go anywhere I wanted. It was really <laughs> amazing. It was really amazing. Yeah. Um, I got a shot next to the, the Lombardi trophy, which I'll have to send you some pics. Oh yeah, please. Just so you can get a, a good reference of what I'm talking about. Right. But the only, I think what would have made it even better is if there was not a pandemic, Oh, of but course. even during a pandemic, it was incredible. Now, what was your first Final Four? Do you remember what year? Oh, man. It was the Indianapolis one. Jeez, <laughs> uh, i got to go back and remember. It's a, it's a ways back. Because I've been to Indianapolis. Right. I've been to Phoenix. I've been to Minneapolis. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And, and the thing is, right, I can't tell you, like, who played in the game? I'd have to think back. And, of course, I'm not in college basketball mode because – it's right. been it's been a tough it's been tough sledding for me when it comes to college because I haven't really followed it as much and not only that but uh, if you tell me the year I'm sure I could come up with uh, who played in the game but I'd have to go back in the memory bank or at least in uh, through Google I mean, to that's find great out what you that you have such a good memory I it's watching so many different games I can't even keep track right <laughs> and, and like I said half the time I don't even know who won the game because I'm so busy working no of course <laughs> yeah that's like the last thing that's on your mind so right. All right, what's the one thing you love about what you do, and what's the one thing you can't stand? Oh, one thing I love. I love the people I work with. Um, we have such a good team. I mean, the, the whole sports team, from, like, management to, you know, regular technical people and production people. Everybody gets along really, really well. Everybody mm. works with each other. Everybody has each other's back. You know, it, I know if one of the production assistants is having a really tough time, I'll jump in and be, let me help you with that because even though it's not my job, mm. I, I 
I always try to help people. Yeah. And so we always we always have each other's back, even if we're not in the same department. Um, the one thing I don't like, mm-hmm. oh man, um, I'd say being away from my kids a lot because no, you're working so much. Right. So that's that's the one thing that's a little challenging is trying to balance out having this full time job, working crazy hours six days a week. And then trying to find time to spend with your children because you're kind of not there yeah. most of the time. Right. So it, it's that's the only thing I hate is not being being able to spend as much time as I would like to with them. Mm-hmm. Now it's interesting. Just to go back to the previous question, the people that you work with, and which is important because obviously you see these people, you work with them in very pressure situations, intense, etc. And it's good to know that. That's the case because I'm sure, just like in any industry and walk of life, no matter what you do, there's always one louse that's just going to complain or it's going to show up late or it's just not going to, he or she is not going to be able to execute a certain task because they just want to do it on their time or whatever. So I'm glad that that, and with TV, right, you have to, everything has to be razor sharp. So if anybody's going to have an <laughs> off day, they're going to be pretty much off the set or off the, uh, out of the truck because obviously you can't have that on a day-to-day basis. No, everybody, everybody comes in with their A game. You know, you have like, you know, one or two people mm-hmm. that might have had a rough week. Um, but still, everybody comes in with their A game. Everybody knows what's expected. Everybody knows the responsibility of putting all this out there and getting the show done. Yeah. And we all just work great together. No, and as the way it should be, so... <laughs> and then, and then, lastly, for those that may be listening, who are let's say maybe in college or looking to try to get a career in TV, and especially for the young women out there that may be looking or listening to this, and say, what kind of advice would I would uh, like to hear from someone like yourself to have them pursue this type of career? What would that be? Definitely have to hustle. Hmm. Definitely have to hustle. I mean, my whole life has been just hustling and trying to get it done and being there. And yeah, no one wants to work with someone who's lazy, (laughs) (laughs) you know, no one has time for that. Right. So, um, yeah, if you really, really want it, you got to really want it and work hard for it. Just like anything else in life, but even more so yeah. with this business, I can only imagine. And Lauren, with that being yeah, said. Yeah, because there's too many people who want to get in. Oh, that's <laughs> the know? thing. It's competitive, right? It's it's hard. It took me like, I'm when I left college, when I was like 21, mm-hmm. I didn't really get into, it took me four years to get my foot in the door. And that was like taking little stupid production assistant jobs and driving up to these these horse races being a utility yeah. or being a production assistant running errands. I would have did anything. Even the New York marathon. I was, God, I did that three years in a row as a utility. And here's, I'm, I'm no, by no means a strong person uh-huh. and I'm carrying like 50 foot cables <laughs> on my back, just trying to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wow. like it's a lot of hard work and you're standing in the cold and you're filthy. And yeah. But you, but you have that drive. You have to have that drive. You have to make the connections. Show people you're a hard worker and you want to work because it goes a long way. Lauren, what can I say? Uh, you've been tremendous. <laughs> Thank you so well, much. For- I really appreciate you um, reaching out. I hope, um, 
I hope I answered everything for you. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. No, you were tremendous, like I said. And, you know, just to have your insight, the expertise with what you do, and not only that, I know it may not be the most glamorous thing because people will probably look at, hey, what is it like to be a broadcaster? Or, hey, what is it like to take the shot of the jets flying over during the national anthem, things of that nature. But, no, you really do all the dirty work, as I said, rolling up the sleeves, doing that. And I found that fascinating. And that's why I had you on here just to explain that because I'm sure a lot of people out there who maybe want to get in this business in whatever way, shape, or form, sometimes, like you said, they're going to have to carry the heavy cables during a New York City marathon. Or in this case, when (laughs) you're about to do Super Bowl 50 and here you are going to hit that button, but you hyperventilate because you know that if that button doesn't hit red or if it doesn't or whatever it does, then, you know, that's your ass. So Yeah, it is. (laughs) But uh, yeah, and, and that's one of the things as a sports fan, at least for me, uh, I find interesting, and I didn't even know about that with the commercials, with the whole pods. So I'm sure a lot of the sports uh, yeah. fans. I'm There's sure- so many things that go into just a broadcast in general, and it's it's no one realizes how many people it takes mm-hmm. to pull it off, and you know it everybody's working real hard to make it look good for the viewer. Right, and that's the bottom so. line. Yes, of course. Well, again, Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time out to do this with me. Oh, please. My pleasure. And uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Many thanks to CBS Sports' Lauren Correa Sikoriak for sharing her experience, her journey, diving into everything that happens from the technical aspect of broadcasting an NFL game. That Super Bowl story is pretty interesting. Could you imagine having the whole world pretty much on the weight of your shoulders ready to press that button and if for whatever the reason it doesn't go off or it doesn't turn on, that you won't get to see the opening of the Super Bowl. So I'm glad she was able to share that with us. And if you enjoyed that discussion and want to hear more of what the J Reels podcast has to offer, especially when it comes to guests, one of the big contributions that you could do the listener is subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And the reason why is because the more... This podcast gets out there. We know that I'm an independent entity. I'm a one-man operation here. So I'm slowly but surely moving up the charts. So in order for the j podcast to be seen and to get the exposure that it uh, hopefully deserves over the course of the last three plus years, you could do so by leaving a rating, posting a review on wherever you get your podcast. So if it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, Amazon Music, etc., All that's going to do is increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there and in turn generate interest for those who aren't familiar with the podcast so I could get them on board to share their experience, whether it's the former athlete or even current one, the broadcaster, writer, technical director, studio host, you name it, so I could have them on the podcast, whether it was between the white lines, in the broadcast booth, in the truck, or even in the studio having them once again share their experience with me so I can in turn share that with you guys on a week-in, week-out basis. And if you want to shoot me an email, send me a DM with any questions, comments, criticism, or praise, you could do so at any of the following, starting off with my social media accounts, whether it's on Instagram at jreels or the jreels podcast, which is Strictly Sports. On Twitter, jreels1, just a number. On Facebook, the J Reels Podcast fan page, and the old-fashioned way, the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. Again, send it to me. I'll be more than happy 
ready, willing, and able to follow up with you guys. And then lastly, if you want to contribute to the podcast, you can go to my Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash the J Reels Podcast. And that's P as in Paul, A-T as in Tom, R-E-O-N as in Nancy. And by doing so, you'll contribute to what goes on behind the scenes here, whether it's the upkeep of the website, production, equipment, etc. So whatever you want to put forth, I would greatly and sincerely appreciate it. And as we're now three years strong, and hopefully for another 33 years and counting, this is what I love to do, people. As I like to say, it's in the blood, it's in the DNA. I've been talking sports pretty much my whole life. And just to have the opportunity to share this platform with everybody out there to listen to my voice, to my thoughts, opinions, analysis on everything that's happening in the world of the diamond, the ice, the gridiron, the hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby.